You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Today's show is a super fun Q&A with questions from you, our listeners, all about all things biz. By the way, if you aren't already a part of our Facebook group, you should probably fix that. It's a poppin' community of like-minded entrepreneurs. Plus, it's where Lindsay and I ask questions for future Q&A episodes and ask for guest requests. So basically... If you just want to be a part of an incredible community and have input on what you see in the show, questions that you want to hear on the show, all of that, it's the place to be. So anyways, today's show covers some gold topics from how to navigate your inner critic and stop hiding behind fear to pricing yourself as an entrepreneur or an educator, how we personally structure our business mentor sessions, and our top advice for investing in yourself and your business. This is a sit down, real talk, let's get nitty gritty kind of episode. So grab some coffee or wine or whatever you want and let's get chatting. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. All right, welcome back to the show. We are doing a Q&A episode today, just diving straight in from questions that you guys asked us in our Facebook group. So the first one comes from Rebecca. She says, do you guys have any tips for negotiating with your inner scaredy cat or inner critic? I feel like I'm the thing blocking my potential because I keep hiding behind fear. Can you help? Okay, yes. We, I feel like, talk about fear a lot and we have many thoughts on it Mm. and just navigating it, dealing with it. My first thought, Rebecca, is to ask yourself what you're really afraid of. Because if you do that, if in, in no matter what circumstance you're in, if you're stopping yourself from doing something out of fear of, of something, I want you to identify what it is you're actually afraid of. I think when we identify what we're actually afraid of, it's all, oftentimes I feel like not the thing that we think. It Like you go down the rabbit hole and you're like, okay, if this happens, what am I actually scared of? And when you play that out in your head, it turns out it's actually not that scary most of the time. So yeah. for example, maybe you're afraid to start your business because you're, you think you'll fail, right? You're like, oh, I really want to maybe do my own thing, have my own hours or start my own business. But I'm petrified because of what people will think if I fail or what will happen if I fail. And I want you to go down that rabbit hole and be like, okay, so if I fail and I have to go back to my nine to five, well, okay, I still have a job or maybe I can't get that job, but I'm sure you're a smart individual. You could probably get some job. You're not going to die. You're not going to fall on your face, right? So maybe it's not your dream job, but failing and going back to what you were doing before isn't bad. And I think when we play that out, it's like, oh, okay, that's not the worst thing in the world. Like I, I've learned how not to do something. I can try again in a different way next time, or maybe I can pivot and do something else. I think when yeah. we kind of play that out in our head, it, it makes it so that it's like, okay, nothing is like detrimental is going to happen if I try and fail. Well, I think, amen. And I think it's so common that we're making this big, 
big, bad, scary monster out of the unknown. And as human beings, we're really scared of the unknown. And so one of the best ways to combat that is to make it known to actually walk down that path, like you were saying, Lynn's like to, to go down that, you know, rabbit hole and pursue that and realize, oh, okay, like, you know, this, this is not that deep of a rabbit hole. Uh, there's actually a light at the end of the tunnel. Like, even if I totally fail and, you know, try to go full time with my business and it doesn't work out, I can still go back to this X job or I can get a job, you know, waiting tables. And it may not be the dream, but I'm not going to end up on the street. So almost like eliminating that unknown factor to our fears and addressing them head on and kind of uncovering them. It's like, you know, it's like the Wizard of Oz where when we have that curtain closed and, and we don't know, it just seems like this big, bad, like, you know, scary wizard. And then the minute you pull back that curtain and you realize, oh, it's just a tiny little man in a booth, like, you know, changing his voice it's so much less intimidating. And that's what you have to force yourself to do whenever you're feeling fear. Like that's one of the best ways you can combat it is to pull back that curtain and see what's actually behind your fear. And what does that really look like? Oh, so good. Well, and I think even just the truth of if you fail at something that does not make you at your core, at your identity, a failure. Like you are not a failure because you tried something and messed up and it didn't work. Like that's called learning. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's like called, that. that's called excellent effort. I think if you're yeah. not feeling that's a problem, you're not actually mm. trying new things. You're not taking risks and risks are so necessary for success. Yes. Well, what's that Thomas Edison quote about like the light bulb thing? I think he says like when somebody asked him about, you know, all the different ways he tried to make a light bulb, he goes, no, I didn't fail a thousand times. I learned a thousand ways how not to make a light bulb. And he just considered it part of the learning process and part of the, you know, the entire journey, he didn't consider those 1000 failures. He considered it, you know, a learning experience. So I think that's really important as entrepreneurs to recognize failure does not define us. In fact, I think it's really healthy for us to learn that, you know, not everything's always going to work out. Not only when we're just getting started on an idea or a business or whatever, but even when you're smack dab in the middle of it or you're super successful, I mean, you know, I was reading, I was reading some information on Elon Musk recently and, you know, he's the founder of PayPal and Tesla Motors and SpaceX. Like he's literally like brilliant in so many ways, but even Tesla almost went bankrupt recently. And like, it was a like he's consistently trying new things, taking risks and learning. And yeah. it's just part of the process. Even when you're quote unquote at the top, there's still risk like that you're gonna fail. So learning to embrace that early on, I think, is really helpful. Oh, so good. I think the other thing I think about Rebecca, just to fully more answer this question even more, um, about like dealing with your inner scaredy cat or dealing with your inner critic that's kind of preventing you from doing the things that you want to do in life. I when I'm trying to make decisions, I think of about myself when I'm 70 or 80, or I mean, whatever, just like old, um, (laughs) looking back on my life and what do I want my older self to see when, when she looks back at the life of Lindsay, what do I want my legacy to look like? Am I looking at a life that wasn't spent going after the dreams and goals in my heart that God put there because I was afraid because I was afraid I would fail because I'm afraid that I wasn't enough. Or I would much rather look back on my life and see a bunch of failures because I tried. Failures and dreams and goals, getting accomplished, trying, falling, scraping my knee, getting back up again. I would much rather my legacy 
look like that because I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid yeah. to do the God called me to do on this world, on this world, in this world. And I wasn't afraid to chase my dreams. And honestly, I wasn't afraid of failure because I, again, I look yeah. at failure, like you just said, Evie, as like as learning and, and that's the legacy that I want to leave. Yeah. I want to see a life that I loved and that I served and that I chased the dreams that God put in my heart. Like that's what I want to see. And so whenever I'm, you know, now looking at a decision and I feel that little like spark of fear rise up, or I feel like fear preventing me from doing something, even like reaching out or going after that thing, even though it's scary or making that decision that petrifies you. I think remembering just like the viewpoint of, of you being 80 years old, looking back on your life, like that helps me so much. So hopefully that might help. Rebecca. Yeah. One other thing I want to add to that, that God, I felt just like kind of laid on my heart as you were talking, Linz, is if anyone's listening to this and you consistently, you know, face fear and you're consistently struggling with that, I just want to clarify, even though that is, you know, a pretty normal part of, of day-to-day life, you know, feeling scared of the unknown, like we were talking about and, you know, fear of failure, whatever. I also want to clarify that fear is not from God. And that is not something that we as believers are supposed to be operating in or experiencing regularly in our life. Like the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Like that is what we're supposed to be operating out of as Christians and as believers. So if you're listening to this and you are a believer, um, like Lindsay and I, like I, personally in my life, I ha- am constantly seeking to abolish and and eliminate fear from my life because I know that that is not from my father. And so if I'm feeling like fear over a situation, over a decision, over the unknown, I know that that's coming directly from the enemy. That's an attack of the enemy trying to keep me from my destiny, keep me from my calling, keep me from, you know, taking a step forward, impacting a life, whatever that looks like. It is not from God, Um, you know, feeling maybe a check in my spirit of maybe this isn't the right choice. That's different than fear. That might be the Holy Spirit and you nudging my heart and being like, no, that's, you know, not the right time, not the right thing. But like fear is not from God. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're listening to this and you also believe in God, you, you know, are a follower of Jesus Christ. My encouragement is the minute you feel fear, I would stop everything you're doing, sit down and first and foremost, go straight to God and be like, God, and like, eliminate this from my life. This is not from you. And I don't want any part of this. I will refuse to partner with fear in making decisions in my life. Wow. Freaking go, Evie. <laughs> go on. Get out of here. Okay. As we I were just talking, felt like someone <laughs> needed to hear that. So no, I needed to hear it. That was so good. And <laughs> as you were talking, it reminded me of when you're afraid to do something and you're letting fear stop you, your focus is on yourself when it should be on serving others. Yeah. Like if you're preventing yourself from doing something that that you felt like a calling or that God's laid on your heart and you're just stopping yeah. yourself out of fear, then like this could be as simple as as starting your business or or making a post on Instagram if we want to get like way down, like very nitty gritty. Nitty gritty. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're stopping yourself from from doing something that is good, but you're just not doing it because you're afraid or because you think you're going to get judged or whatever, you, you might be preventing a life from being impacted by the words that you have to say just because yeah. you're too afraid of the backlash or you're too afraid of what people think about you. And so I just want to encourage you to turn your focus on how others can be impacted versus how you personally will feel. Because yeah. I, I promise you, if 
you start impacting lives, like you're going to feel good. Like, like that's gonna, you're gonna feel the yeah. reward of that. And so I just, I don't know, what, Evie, what you just said, like, reminded me like, hey, like stop focusing on this ourselves. This about us. Yeah. Right. And focus on being a service to others. Yeah. I think as, you know, specifically as believers, our, our ultimate goal is to bring, you know, kingdom to earth. Like, you know, yes, your kingdom come, like your will be done. Like that's our, our goal is to represent and share Jesus here on earth. And so, you know, it's not about us. It's about Mm-hmm. him the minute the minute you accept christ you surrender all rights to your own life your own actions everything like you're fully surrendered to jesus so it's not about us ultimately yeah. it's it's about sir it's about serving our lord and savior first and foremost and serving others through that you know surrender and if you're not a believer you know it's still just an incredible principle of you know we're here to you know, serve other people and love other people around us as much as we possibly can. And this isn't all about us. And the more we focus on ourselves, the more tied up in knots we become. And the more, you know, you're putting yourself essentially in a cage and it's just, it's not rewarding. It's not worthwhile. And, you know, focusing up and out is the best possible like focus we can have in our lives. So good. Oh man. Okay. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) The next question comes from Dusty. And she says, how do you structure business mentor sessions? Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so I think she just means like just like the structure logistically of it. So I know what we do is, especially we did this more in the beginning when it's either like a shorter mentor session or it's just a simpler like mentor session. We started both with photography mentor sessions originally. We yeah. always did it Q&A style. So we would just mm-hmm. ask our mentee to come with however many questions um, prepared in advance. And sometimes mm-hmm. we'd have them send it to us. Um, and then that way, th- like we, they have it. It's not just like they're coming in fresh and have no idea. And it also yeah. gives us as the coach or the mentor, like a framework of where to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for any, I don't know if Dusty, you're a photographer, but for photography specifically, I know that a lot of listeners, you guys are photographers. So for photography specific mentor sessions that include a shoot, me and Evie usually just do the Q&A portion or like the sit down actual nitty gritty chat portion first. Mm-hmm. And however long your mentor session is, like usually it's like three to four hours. And then we go to the actual shoot portion where um, like we demonstrate and then let our mentee shoot and kind of go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And the majority is it's for them. Like it's the, yeah. the shoot portion is the opportunity to let them shine and them get the shots that they want and practice and play around. Um, I will say though, I've had some mentees who really want to watch me shoot because that's actually more helpful to like, obviously they get shots too, but they want to almost see how I interact and, and work with the couple or the client. Um, mm-hmm. So I will say that's a little bit, that's just photography specific, but Evie can maybe go on yeah. more to just like business coaching in general. Yeah. So for, for more like one-on-one longer term, like monthly coaching sessions, which, um, Lindsay and I have both started implementing, we do, we do all of this separately. Our mentor sessions and stuff are, are separate in our own personal businesses. Um, oh yeah, the heart doesn't need them. Yeah, we should, we should clarify that. So for any like workshops or like courses or anything, that's Lindsay and I through the heart, like as a team. Um, but our coaching and our one-on-one like mentor sessions and stuff are like Lindsay Roman and Evelyn Grace, like, so they're separate. Um, but I believe we're both starting to do very similar methods of like longer term coaching. And it's like more business coaching, um, with a minimum of like a three month commitment, or at least that's what I do. Um, so with that, you know, I have more of like 
uh, a super long, like detailed questionnaire. It's like super in depth that goes over a ton of details and questions that, you know, our coaching students have to fill out in advance. So things even down to like their goal yearly income, what their current income is, you know, client details of clients that they've loved working with clients that they haven't loved working with what you know just so much information that as I can possibly get in advance because that helps me as the educator and the coach prepare a ton of stuff in advance to target exactly what my student is struggling with you know that may be um scaling or you know uh passive you know revenue or whatever that that might be something more like financial or operations that may be more like branding and marketing um you know just different things that that a lot of different businesses or different you know stages of businesses might be struggling with that I really want to know and pinpoint in advance and then that also really helps you know our students tackle those questions before the session so to sit down and be like okay what you know, what is a client that I've really loved working with? I hadn't thought of that. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't sat down and been like, oh, this is, you know, what I want to earn this in, you know, in the next five years or, or three years or next year, I would love to earn this much money. And to actually put that on paper is really helpful to get them thinking through tough questions before our session so that we can just go straight, like to the deep end um, by the time we get started. Cause I want, you know, Lindsay and I both want our students to get the most out of their investments with either one of us. And that questionnaire is just a really great way to make sure that happens. But that's typically for more, you know, long-term, really, really deep dive, really advanced um, for like a one or two hour session. I typically just give them a, a shorter questionnaire in advance and, um, you know, ask them to prepare over the few weeks before our session, um, kind of prepare any questions that they have coming up, like, you know, anything that pops to their mind to keep a notebook or, you know, a note in their phone or whatever, a document and add questions to that so that we can, you know, just roll through the questions as much as possible and tackle as much content. But if it's long-term, I really want to know exact roadmap of where they've come from, where they are currently and where they want to go to make sure we cover as much ground as possible. Mm, so good. So good. Agreed. Don't have anything to add. <laughs> I have a question for you. Okay. Do you create so much content you often feel stuck? Uh-huh. Between blog posts, Instagram captions, free recreation, email campaigns, there is so much writing, right? Freaking yes. I've definitely been there and I know how frustrating it can be to feel like you have nothing to talk about. So if you're consistently staring at a blank screen and blinking cursor, we wanted to give you an entirely free guide we just created for you. Guys, our content creation guide is pages of content ideas that you can use to write meaningful captions, blog posts, and more that connect with your ideal audience and create that value and trust that's so vital in order to sell successfully. You can use our ideas directly. There are dozens of them that you can immediately pull from, or you can use them to trigger new ideas for your content creation process. This freebie is so jam-packed that Lindsay and I even go back and reference it when we feel stuck. It that good, fam. If you're sick of not posting or creating any content because your brain feels empty every time you step up to the plate, uh, um, the keyboard, then we got you. Bye-bye, writer's block. Hello, value-filled content. Go to www.theheartuniversity.com slash content or click the link in the show notes. Now go kick some butt and create some content. 
Hey, Heart Fam, we had to interrupt this episode real quick to share with you something that's revolutionized our workflow. Everyone always asks Evie and I what the number one investment is that we've made in our businesses. Without a doubt, the best investment we've ever made to get our life and time back is HoneyBook, a client relations management software. We both use HoneyBook every single day and legit could not live without it. It's an all-in-one project management tool that's designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. I honestly don't know what I would do without HoneyBook. It streamlines everything. Email conversations, client workflow, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. HoneyBook literally coordinates everything for my business. They thought of everything that a creative entrepreneur could need and combined it all in one place. From templates, brand customization, an app so that you can send invoices while you're on the go, all the way to the little ka-ching sound your phone makes every time you get paid, aka my favorite part. <laughs> HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline an excellent client experience from your fingertips so you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can finally get back to living your life instead. Guys, we know you're going to love HoneyBook just as much as we do. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer just for our podcast listeners. 50% off your first year of HoneyBook. Guys, that's a $200 value. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. That's share.honeybook.com slash heart. Or you can check out the link in our show notes. All right, next question. <laughs> next question. Uh, There's actually like a, a joint question. So there are two questions which we can answer in one. So from Samantha, she said, how do you price your workshops and mentor sessions? And then Michaela said, how do you price things? So very, very similar questions. One's just a bit more specific to like education, workshop, mentor sessions, all of that. Um, And it's basically the same answer. So Linz, do you want to take that away? My first thought is that it should be strategic and intentionally thought out. It's not just like, I guess when you're pricing yourself, the biggest thing is that you don't just pick a random number on a board and be like, that one, I want that, that feels right. Like, no. (laughs) The first thing to know is to know your numbers. You need to know what your cost of doing business is. Like you need to know your numbers. And, And I think the biggest thing that people think about when they're starting a business or when they're trying to price themselves, no matter what it is, whether it's workshops or mentor sessions, if you're trying to get into education or maybe it's a product, maybe it's a service, whatever, it's all the same. And so even though... Um, even though Samantha asked specifically about workshops and mentor sessions, how we priced our workshops and mentor sessions is the exact same than how we price our weddings or how we price coaching calls or what have, I guess mentor yeah. sessions is the same thing, but whatever. Um, how we yeah. price our course, like it's all the same and it's based off of our numbers. And so yeah. if you are in business and you are literally just going online to find a competitor near you that is kind of doing the same thing and looking at their numbers, maybe trying to research how long they've been in business, look at their work, see if it's better or good than yours. Like, no, stop it. This is me. Yeah. Like slapping you through the mic. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> the thing that I want you to do is to actually do the back end to know your numbers. And the reason why it doesn't work to look at other people's businesses or other people's prices is because you don't know anything about their life unless you're a friend with them and you ask them. But like anybody online that you're just seeing in your market or in as a competitor, you don't know if they're making a living just on their income or maybe they have a partner yeah. or a spouse who's who's also contributing to their livelihood of income. Maybe they're yeah. part-time, maybe they're full-time. Maybe they personally are more bougie and have a higher 
cost of living. Maybe they are more thrifty and have a lower cost of living and that's they just don't need physically as much dollars to live. Maybe they live in a really expensive neighborhood. Maybe they live in a really cheap neighborhood. Like you don't know their life point blank. So just by basing your pricing off of somebody on the internet, no, no. Yeah. All right, change it over. I think, (laughs) I love it. I think it's important to, you know, like Lindsay was saying to to know your numbers, that has to be your bottom line. Know your profit and loss statements. Know what you need to be earning in order to, you know, pay your bills, get food on the table, and have a roof over your head. Like you have to know that bottom line in order for you to, you know, operate your business well and successfully. You have to have a a, a hand on the heartbeat of your business, which is your financials. Um, and and as you know, a business owner, every business move you make including pricing yourself, should um, be very strategic and tackle, you know, one of the following goals. So there are three goals that I, I typically think of that you should keep in mind. Number one, it's an investment in yourself and your business. So it's honest, it's, it's just you're dumping it in and, you know, whatever, something's going to come back. Or two, it's an intentional marketing move. Now that may or may not be profitable immediately with cash ROI. So return on investment, um, or it may be profitable long-term with establishing brand identity or reaching future customers, whatever. So number one is an investment in yourself and your business, you know, buying gear, investing in education or whatever, an intentional marketing move, you know, investing in Facebook ads or an SEO expert or something, um, or it's a profitable business move with immediate cash ROI. So, you know, if you're pricing yourself for, let's say mentor sessions, what's your base hourly rate for anything you do that makes you break even? And then what's your base hourly rate that turns the hourly profit of your choice? You know, for some people, they, depending on your business model, depending on whatever, you may want to make $50 an hour. You may want to make $500 an hour. Um, those numbers will help dictate your, your end pricing. And it just helps you determine, you know, are you intentionally, you know, if you're starting a workshop, is it an intentional marketing move? Is it, you know, a profitable business move that you want that immediate cash ROI on? Like think through those things strategically. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a story time, Lindsay, do you want to talk about like our first workshop? Yeah. Yeah. This is a really good example. So for our very first workshop that we ever hosted, we charged $800 and I think it was a, was it two day workshop? I can't remember. I yeah. Think I, two think, day, I think it like, was like two full days. Okay. Yeah. So like two evenings or two nights, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. regardless if, if you are, have you ever attended, have you ever attended a photography workshop? You know that that is very cheap, <laughs> it's yes. like not even for a one day workshop, but for like two days, that's insane. Yeah. Um, and we did that strategically, but what we, we didn't just randomly come to the board and be like 800, that looks good. Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we chose that number because it covered our costs and we earned a little bit after that. And we weren't prioritizing profit a lot for yeah. that first workshop. While we did want to profit yeah. a little bit for our time, we weren't trying to make big bucks because we were like, hey, this is our first one. We're baby fresh to the education industry. Mm-hmm. We want to get our feet wet. And so it was an intentional marketing move, which was the second goal that, oh, if anyone heard that, that was my child. Um, <laughs> Real life. It was an intentional, yeah, it was an intentional marketing move, like the second one on that goal list that Evie just talked yeah. about. Um, that resulted in a tiny bit of profit. But because it was our first yeah. workshop, we wanted to get our feet wet, like I said, and start at a lower price. We didn't mm-hmm. want to just rand- randomly grab a number. And we knew that our cost for that workshop 
or we knew our our cost for that workshop and we priced it accordingly so that we would yeah. still, even though it was a marketing move, we still were not trying to be stupid. We still wanted to like be a little bit profitable in general. Yeah. So I think the bottom line of everything that I said in my rant and everything that Evie said that was actual smart and great is <laughs> be strategic. Like think things yeah. through, know your numbers, know your profit and loss statements, just know your numbers yeah. point blank and go from there, know your budget, like pick a yearly income, like all of that. And then just go from there and price yourself accordingly. Don't price yourself based off of feeling or, and also price yourself to be profitable. Like, yes, just do that. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with profit, but yeah, I, amen. I think it's just important. That's, you know, a very, we could dive into a ton of like logistical, you know, uh, equations and all this stuff of how we encourage our students to price themselves, but that's, in our course and like all of that stuff, we're not going to go super in depth, but the bottom line is you should know your numbers. Don't just grab random numbers and assume that that seems good because it's competitive to your area. Pay attention to your numbers. It's it's not only going to help you starting out, but it's going to help you as you continue to scale and grow as well. So hopefully that was mm. helpful. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> all right. Elizabeth asks advice on investing in yourself and your business. I'm definitely a little hesitant to start investing money back into my business, but it's something I definitely want to do. I just don't know where to start. Evie, you want to go at her? I got it. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm coming at you, Elizabeth. Um, So I saw a quote the other day that just, I was like, wow, okay. Um, And I want to share that today. It said something along the lines of it, I'm paraphrasing it, but it said, it's funny how people are so willing to invest, you know, 100K into college but they're so scared to invest $1,000 into their own business. And it was just like, whoa, (laughs) like that's so good. Ironically, ironically, investing into college, not always, but almost always is investing into working for someone else, not your own self. So it's like, okay. Very, very interesting to think about that. But yes, I think, you know, it depends on what you're talking about investing in. If you're talking about investing into education or training or, you know, any of that or, you know, gears, supply, whatever, like, you know, work slash employees type of thing. Um, If we're talking about education specifically, I feel like the best way to go about finding, you know, somebody to invest in would be to look at business owners in your field who are actively crushing it and actively succeeding at what you want to be doing. And then uh, look for reviews or testimonials from any sort of past, like coaching students or or whatever that have worked with them and just see what they have to say. You know, do they show results? And just pay attention to who you want to learn from. Be uh, intentional with how you invest your money. There are a lot of educators out there and I think that's amazing. I think it's such a cool opportunity for so many people to learn. Um, mm, but yeah. you know, make sure you're learning from people who are doing exactly what you want to do that you trust and respect and that you've seen results from not only in their own business, but also in their students. Yeah. And I would say overall with investing, do it sooner rather than later in your business. Yeah. Don't wait till everything's perfectly in line and you feel personally good and ready to invest Mm -hmm. because I can promise you investing will get you where you want to go faster than trying to do it all on your own. Like both of us invested in different ways, whether it was coaching or a mentor session or a workshop or a course at the beginning of our career or like somewhere along the way of the beginning of our career. And Mm -hmm. all that does is teach you the tools that maybe you could have found on your own by going to Google a million and one times and taking a bunch of years to finally finally learn those skills. Whereas investing into someone who, like Evie just said, has been in the exact same shoes you have, you want to go in 
and learning from people that came before you, I think is such a smart business move and just smart move because in the end, just remember you're responsible for yourself, your success and your business. Mm -hmm. Um, But investing in somebody means that you have to do more than just invest. You have to do the work on the back end. You actually have to put in the work. You can't just buy a great business tool or invest in a course or a coach or a workshop and then expect immediate overnight overnight success just because you took a course or just because you Mm -hmm. attended a workshop. You can't invest in education and training and then not do what you're taught. Like, so while investing in the beginning is vital and we think it's absolutely necessary, you you have to actually follow it up with the work that was taught, um, you know, Mm -hmm. more than just writing in a notebook and writing, okay, then I need to do this. Like actually make it happen. Go back to the drawing board. Yes, take action um, because Mm -hmm. it's, the investing is the beginning of the work, but it is vital, yeah. I think. I mean, and it's it's been so good for both of our businesses. And yeah, yeah we actually have an upcoming episode all about investing in the future. It's coming out soon. So yeah, just keep a lookout. Look yeah, <laughs> keep a lookout. Um, yeah, one other thing I want to add to this, if, if, you know, we talked a lot about investing in basically like education, training and all that stuff, which I think is um, probably one of the biggest things that you can do with investing in yourself and your business. But there's also the side of investing in, you know, labor or gear or tools. And I kind of want to touch on that just super fast and say, you know, if, if that makes you nervous, I, I kind of circling back to the previous question, know your numbers, you know, know, is this just a side hobby right now? Your full-time income is, is, you know, paying all of your bills so you can afford to invest everything that you're earning from your business right now back into the business. That's what I did for the first, I think Lindsay, you did too, for the first like year or two, any money I earned from my photography, I dumped straight back in to my photography business. And, you know, if I would earn a thousand dollars from a wedding, I would save that and then I earned, you know, 200 from a session or, or whatever. I, I piled it up until I'd earned enough to buy the next camera that I was wanting or the next lens that I was wanting or, you know, invest in HoneyBook or whatever. Um, so be know your numbers when it comes to that and know, you know, can you invest everything back in? If not, you know, start saving to reinvest whatever you're saving back into gear or, you know, resources or education, um, you know, just know your numbers. That's just an overall business helpful tool. Um, but when it comes to investing in yourself and your business as well, that will really help free you up because you know exactly where you stand. You're not just grabbing $3,000 to invest in another big camera or you know $3,000 to invest into uh, an online course or a workshop or whatever. You've intentionally and strategically saved that exact amount for whatever that investment is. And it gives you a lot of freedom and joy in putting that into whatever that is because you've given intentional thought ahead of time to it. And you know that that money is set aside for that purpose. So Mm, I think that's a a really great way to approach investing is don't just grab large chunks of change and throw it at something. If you don't actually know your numbers, you don't know what you can afford and you're not being strategic about it. Make sure, especially as you're starting your business, you're very intentional about tracking your numbers um, and paying attention to what you are, are prioritizing what in your investments. That'll give you a lot more freedom. Yes. Well, that was the last question for this episode. We hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we like doing these little Q and A's. I think they're fun. And so we're probably going to do them a little bit more frequently. 
Um, mm-hmm. That way we can kind of do bite-sized answers versus like one big episode on a certain topic. Um, so yeah, like Evie said in the beginning, make sure you pop into our Facebook group. The link is in the show notes to join in the future if you want your question answered on the show. So uh, if you like this episode, please give it a screenshot, share it on Instagram, tag Evie at Evie Rupp, me at Mrs. Lindsay Roman and the heart at the heart university. And yeah, we'll share it. We'll, we'll send some love your way because we love you guys and just love you sharing the show and knowing what episodes you love most. Um, and speaking of knowing what episodes you love most, if you want to leave a review, that would be super, super rad of you to do. (laughs) Um, we read every single one. Yeah. They're so helpful. And we just, we love hearing from you guys. And it also helps us create content that actually is what you guys want to consume and, you know, give answers to what you guys are struggling with. And so, yeah, it just helps us a lot. And so if you would do that, that would be awesome. But we hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Keep going and killing it. And we will see you next time. Go kick some butt this week. And Lindsay and I will catch you on the flip side.